welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is taken from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the afternoon session of Saturday the 21st of February 2009, entitled Chasing Daylight Part 3, and the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 11 verse 26. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Good afternoon. All right, I know some of you had a nap. I did not have one, so if I can stay awake, you can, all right? Matthew chapter number 5, and let's look at verse number 1. I'll get right to it because I want to try to stay on target for tonight and keep our time uh, schedule as, as intact as I can. So Matthew chapter number 5, and look at verse number 1. Of course, the last three sessions has been entitled Chasing Daylight, and I want to try to be a help to you. Uh, this morning we talked about how to live like, it's tra- like a trampoline instead of a brick wall, and I think most of you got that. And uh, I hope and pray that be a help to you. It's something that God spoke to me about uh, uh, just, just a few years ago and, and really has kind of hit home uh, to me in the past few months especially. But I want us to look today, uh, this afternoon, uh, Matthew chapter number 5. I want you to look at verse number 1. It says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And uh, when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are happy... By the way, that's something that a Christian ought to look like. Look, look like they're happy. All right? He said, blessed or happy are the poor in spirit. The word poor doesn't mean poor monetarily. It means destitute. It means literally you ought to be broken. There ought to be a brokenness to you. You know, Spurgeon put it this way. He said, whom God uses, he bruises. God will never greatly use a man or a woman until he greatly breaks a man or a woman. And if you're at a point where you've got pride in your life and you're not willing to do what God wants you to do and you hadn't run the white flag of surrender up and said, God, what would you have me to do? You know what? You may be hearing the sound of my voice this evening and you need to get to that point to where you are absolutely poor of spirit. You're destitute. In other words, you are so desperate and hungry for God to do something in your life, you're willing to look outside yourself and lose your cause, your, yourself in a cause that's bigger than you. Because young people, let me tell you something. We just saw it out on, the, out on the, uh, uh, the, the, the streets of the city center, didn't we? There is a cause out there that's bigger than us. There are people that we rub shoulders with today who didn't want to have anything to do with what we were giving them. Though it was a free gift, they didn't want to have a thing to do with it. There were some people that wanted to cleave to it and to listen. You know, whether or not they oppose us or reject us, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting Him. We're just seed sowers. We just reach down in the pouch and we just sow the seed and we let God germinate it and He yields the increase. So folks, we've got a liberating task when we know that we're not the one that saves anybody anyway. He's the one that saves people, all right? So He wants us to be happy and the way we can be that way is He preached His Sermon on the Mount and He said, be destitute in spirit, be poor in spirit, for what? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Some of you need to pray that God will give you your tears back. When's the last time you just got down and wept? And you couldn't even utter a word to Jesus Christ, but you just got down and wept. And you know what? The Holy Spirit made groanings for you which cannot be uttered. When's the last time you got down and just cried and said, Lord, give me my tears back. John R. Rice got down one day and he said, Lord, I'm tired of crying And every time I preach. And... He said, it's almost embarrassing that every time I get up to preach, he said, I cry. And he said, God, I want you to take my tears away. And guess what? God did. God took his tears away. But Brother Leonard, about two weeks after that, 
When he'd get in the pulpit and the ceiling would be like brass and it'd feel like there was no power in the place, he got down on his face two weeks later and he said, God, give me my tears back. When's the last time you wept over somebody? When's the last time you wept over your mom's relationship with your father? When's the last time you wept over your relationship with your mate? When's the last time you wept over your broken relationship, maybe with your parents, young people? You may be in here today and say, God, I want you to bless me, but you are as far away in right fellowship with your parents as you could ever be in your life. And you've come here saying, well, God's going to bless me. He ain't going to bless you to give you it on the phone. And you call them and say, I beg you to forgive me. And I wanna, want you to know I love you and ask you to forgive me. Because you can't be right this way if you ain't right this way. There's somebody in this room I'm talking to right now. You know what? Before you pillow your head tonight, you're going to have to get on the phone, call somebody and say, I want you to forgive me for my bitterness and my anger towards you. Now, I don't know who it is, but I guarantee you in a group this size, I know I'm speaking to somebody that's got that in their heart. Now, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a foreteller. I'm a foreteller. But I'm here to tell you something, young people. If we want to get that right relationship, and we want to not waste daylight but chase daylight, we have got to get to the point to where we're mournful and we weep again for those uh, that we know that aren't, that aren't with God and aren't right with God. And, and if we aren't, we need to weep over our own soul. But I want to look at verse number 4. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which... Uh, do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men re uh, shall revile you. Y'all to know what that feels like today if you were in the city center. And persecute you. And shall, by, shall all manner of evil against you falsely, uh, speak evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And then that great verse, it says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt lost its, lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing. How many of you have ever had, uh, I hope I say this right, how many of you have ever had gammon, ham? And after you eat that, what happens the rest of the day? You can't get enough water, can you? You don't know why? Because they season it with salt. You know what salt does? Salt makes people thirsty. Now, young people, I want to ask you a question today. When you go back to work or uni next week, I wonder if you're going to make people thirsty. I wonder if your life's going to make somebody thirsty for who you serve. And they say, you know what? There's something different about that guy. There's something different about that young lady. And you know what? They kind of make me a little thirsty. I'd like to know a little bit more about what they believe. And I wonder how many people you're compelling to come to Christ instead of repelling them away from Him. You know what salt does? It makes people thirsty. And you ought to make people thirsty. He not only says you're the salt of the earth, but look at verse number 14. And ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light candles and put them under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick and it gives light unto all that, uh, that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, young people, I want you to think about this with me this morning. This morning. This evening. I done forgot what time it is. This evening, I want you to think about this with me. 
Is the word Christian best used as a noun or an adjective? Let me ask you a question. When the, when, the first time Christian was used in the Bible, what was it? It was a noun. It was a subject. It was a person. They were called Christians first in Antioch. It wasn't, listen, it wasn't one of those things where they were called Christians because it was a tag put or a label put on a person. They were Christian because their attitude was they were followers of Jesus Christ. Literally, the word Christian means little Christ's. They said, it looks like there's a bunch of little Christ running all around Antioch. And they called them Christians first there. Let me tell you something, young people. The church that I pastored, George, about six years ago, there was a man that came to that church. He went to a Christian college. He taught at a Christian camp. He led Christian music in a Christian worship team. He was a Christian youth pastor. He worked at a Christian bookstore. He drove a Christian car, had Christian carpet, drove, uh, spoke Christianese, had a Christian dog, went to Christian bars. I mean, he everything he did was Christian. Some of y'all need to tell y'all face y'all enjoying this because y'all ain't enjoying this, are you? Y'all tired? Y'all still with me? Am I speaking Russian or something? I mean, I'm speaking English, right? Close to it? All right, good. And do you know what? For Listen. For almost four years in that church, he had everybody believing he was this great Christian because he had all these tags on his name. Hair was cut the right way, had the suit on on Sunday morning, looked just like a good Christian. You know, if you had a picture of a Christian in the dictionary, he'd probably be the role model. But do you know what, George? He's in prison today in the United States of America because for almost four years, and I won't go into it in a sordid way, but for four years, Pastor Leonard, was a pedophile. Numerous boys he molested. Now, you know what? You can have all them tags, but I'm him telling you, Christian is a noun, but it's a very poor adjective. See, you know the problem with putting the tag of Christian on other words? is that you could probably attribute Christian to something that would not reveal the truth of God. Let me ask you something. You can put Christian on the tag of some music, but that don't mean that music's of God. Now, I'm not saying because of maybe the style of music, because I'm saying this. You listen to some lyrics of some of these people that call their music Christian, and it's not glorifying God because it's not giving the right opinion of who God is. Not because of the music style. I could care less really about that. I'm talking about what do the words say? Do the words, words lift up the, the name of God and say, that's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and it don't dimin diminish God's character, and it don't make us uh, have a small God. You know what? A little God deserves little praise, but a great God deserves great praise. See, I'm asking you this. Has any... Have any of y'all ever had somebody come to you and say, uh, I want you to uh, think about hiring my brother-in-law. He's a Christian. I had the guy come up to me and I needed some work done in, in one of our houses. And it was some plumbing. Had some pipes that needed to be redone and, and re moved around Brother Frazier. And this guy said, uh, you ought to call my brother-in-law. He's a Christian plumber. A cr <laughs> now when did a plumber have to have the tag Christian on it? Christian is a poor adjective, but it's a great noun. Did you hear me? Because a noun is a subject, a person. 
A person who what? Follows Christ. See, here's the thing. You can put the tag Christian on some things that don't make it right, but you know what? You can have some things that don't have the tag Christian on it, but they're more of God than things that have the tag on it. See, folks, I'm telling you, man, we are at a point in our, in our, our, our world where everything... Listen, if you're a Christian... It ought to be demonstrated in a life that ain't perfect. But it ought to be demonstrated in a life that when Jesus said, Blessed or happy are they that mourn, they that are poor in spirit, they that are meek, they that are peacemakers, when somebody reviles you. Listen, Jesus, it said when He was reviled, He reviled not again. When He, listen, when he suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judges righteously. And I'm here to tell you, how much of your life is committed to God? Because it will show in your Christian character. It'll show in your character. Christian's a great noun, but it's a poor adjective. You know, I could take a, a piece of paper right now, young people, and if I had a bottle of vodka sitting up here, I could take a piece of paper, tape it around it, and I could write Christian joy juice on it, but that don't make it right. <laughs> huh? I could label anything I want to Christian, but people, I'm here to tell you, we're not noted by the, the, the adjectives in our life. We're noted by who we serve. We're Christians. And by the way, that term when it was used in Antioch was not one where it was a pat on the back. It was almost a persecuting word that pierced people when they said Christian. It was almost like, look at those Christians. You know that's what they did to us today? Did y'all notice that group of guys that walked by when we were first setting up? Kumbaya, my Lord. I'm going to tell you what I wanted to do in my flesh. I wanted to go there and lay holy hands on a couple of them. And when they woke up, I'd say, read that gospel track on your chest. When you get up from... No, I'm just playing. You know what it says? Blessed are they when they revile you. Don't threaten them. Don't Listen, Jesus said when somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. You know what? When somebody says uh, that they don't like you, hey, give them something to drink. Feed them. Feed those that don't have anything to eat. How are you noticed as a, noted as a Christian? Are you noted by your tags? That men have put on the front of your name Christian? Oh, he's a Christian so-and-so. Hey, I've gone into a Christian bookstore before. And I've read things on that shelf and I go, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Because of why? Because of my super abundant intellect? No, because it don't line up with this. So... I'm here to ask you today, in your life, do you use the term Christian as a noun or as an, or as an adjective? I'm telling you, if you're going to use it, use it as a noun, young people, not an adjective. It's a great noun, but a poor adjective. But I want you to look at something else. He said in verse number, uh, turn back over to verse number, look at verse number 13. See, that's why I don't agree. And, and, and I'm going to say this, I haven't, I haven't said one thing about politics this whole week. And I'm not going to. 
But I'm going to say I've got a real problem with Christian political groups. You want to know why? What if I don't agree with that group? Does that make me less of a Christian? No. What if I feel like the Christian, the right Christian thing to do is to vote contrary to what they believe? You see, you don't tag something like that. You're Christians because of who you serve, not what you stand for. Amen or on me? But I want you to look at verse number 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? You know what I found out? You can leave salt out exposed to the, to the, to the, to the nature's uh, elements. And if you leave the top off of it, and it gets wet, and it stays and gets moist, and, and you know what happens after about a week that it gets in moisture? It loses its savor. It's no longer good. And you know what? I, when we go home, normally what we have for breakfast is, uh, y'all call it bacon, we call it country ham, okay? And we cook it up in the mornings, we put on a biscuit. Now, y'all, y'all's biscuits are cookies that you eat with your tea. Our biscuits are what we eat in the morning. It's just a big, um, well, my mom used to make them about the size of uh, hubcaps look like on y'all's taxis. I mean, they were that big around. And you'd take that thing and you'd put a piece of country ham on it. And when you got through eating that thing, you could not get enough water the rest of the day. Are you a country ham Christian? I mean, think about it. Are you a bacon Christian? Are you making people thirsty? Because it's a choice whether or not you're going to do that. It's a choice. I want you to think about this with me. Some of the leaders know what the next question is, but I, you're going to get it here in just a moment. When you, when you walk with Jesus Christ and you're a Christian, Trevor, there's some things you've got to do in your life. Number one, you've got to have some distinct conduct in your life. That means that there's something that delineates you from the rest of the world. Why in the wide world would somebody want to have something to do with us when we just like them? Uh-oh, it's awful quiet in here. Why would they want to be like us when we just like them? You know what, young people? The, listen, John the Baptist was a man who compelled people to come out to him. He did not go to them. They came out in the wilderness to listen to him. And the reason why he people came out was because he had a compelling nature. He drew people to him. And by the way, my dad taught me this. You will always draw more flies with sugar than you do vinegar. You're always going to draw more people to you by having a sweet nature than to having a sour attitude, like you've been sucking on persimmons or lemons for about three months. I'm saved. I mean, that's what kind of attitude is that? You know what I was thankful for? We got out on that bull ring, and I'm going to tell you something, young people. There were folks that stopped that didn't want to have anything to do with God to listen to us sing. You know what that tells me something? That the thing that ought to set us apart from any other, we're the only people that really do have a song. We, we've got something to sing about. This ain't the end of our life. This is just the beginning. When I die, I'm going to live forever, Tyler. I'm going to be in glory with Jesus Christ. i got something to sing about. But you know what? Our Christian name, if you will, carries with it some distinct conduct. Can I give you a word of advice? I want everybody to look at me from here in the back row. Give you a piece of advice. If you go to a restaurant and you order a meal, and the whole time that the, the, the waitress is bringing it to your table, 
You complain about the service. You complain about the food being cold. You want the thing to be given to you free because it wasn't good. And then you won't even leave a tip on the table. Don't leave a gospel track for heaven's sakes. You know what, there's been times in my life, Pastor Leonard, where we went to a restaurant and I saw that the waitress may have been maybe two, three weeks there. She was as, I mean, she was just as confused. She didn't know what she was doing, but she was trying. She was trying to serve and she was just, just overwhelmed. You know what, our service was terrible. We got our food about 15 minutes after it's already been sitting in the window. It was already cold. Didn't She was running around like a chicken with her head cut off. She was nervous as a, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, she was just running all over the place. Y'all like that, didn't you? Okay, good. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, you know what, honey? This was terrible. You take it back. If you can't bring it back right, I want it free. And I'm not going to leave you a tip because the only tip I'm going to leave is you. You slow. But you know what? I would not do that because, you know, we always try to leave a gospel track on our table to thank them for their service and tell them about somebody that didn't just want to serve them, but he sacrificed himself for them. And you know what? What kind of testimony would it be if I had put a gospel track on there and she'd say, if that's what Christians are, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. Be careful how you conduct yourself. Have some distinct conduct in your life. But not only that, but have some distinct choices. Make some distinct choices. Y'all know the verses. Write it down. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether it be the gods of your fathers which were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's some, listen, some of you in here make, need to make a distinct choice in your life that you're going to serve Jesus Christ. And if you're on the fence today, I don't know who I'm talking to. But if you're on the fence today and you ain't made a conscious decision to serve that side or that side, Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? If you are, come over here. If you ain't, go over there. It's one of two choices. Do God a favor. Get off the fence. There are people that's watching you at uni. There are young brothers and sisters watching you. And it's high time that we say, you know what? I'm going to make a distinct choice that I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. Now, not in this room, but normally in, 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 in homes, residential areas. When you go into your home and you don't have it here as much as you do in the States, we have air conditioners, uh, you know, central air units, and, and because it gets really hot in our country. And what we do is we, we get a central air unit, which also does the heating, but in the summertime, if it gets hot in that house, what you do is you bump that thermostat. There's a box in the back, uh, usually down the hallway of your home, and it's got a thermostat on it. It's centrally located in the house to keep that place climatized. That thermostat, if you knock it down, say, to 68 degrees, I don't know what that would be in... Um, well, you know what it would be in Celsius. But if you knock it down to 68 degrees, which would be kind of comfortable in the summertime. If I knocked it down to 68 degrees, George, guess what? It tells that unit to pump cold air into that house till it gets down to 68 degrees and then it'll cut off. However, on that thermostat, there's a thermometer on it. And guess what? If it gets hotter than 68 degrees, that thermometer begins to go up. Why? Because the thermometer is affected by the environment in that house. But the thermostat affects the environment of that house. 
Now, as a Christian, I want all of you to look at me, young people, because you're, if God's going to do anything before He sends His precious Son back, He's going to do it with your generation. You know, me and Pastor Larry have been talking. You know, we ain't got a whole lot of time left. I know I'm only 42, but I'm telling you, Penos, I ain't got a whole lot of time left. I probably got about 15, 20 more years at the rate and the way I preach. I'm going to be done. It'll either be my voice or be my heart. I might die of a heart attack preaching one day. Hallelujah, what a way to go. And don't bother me a bit. I'll inhale here and exhale in glory. Hallelujah. I'll be right in heaven. Don't bother me a bit. I'm ready to go. But you know what? Somebody has got to pass the torch to a person that'll keep running. And you know what? We're running out of people to hand a torch to. You've got to make a choice in your life. And when all of you look at me, I'm, I'm bearing my heart to you tonight. You need to be either a thermostat or a thermometer. Are you going to be a thermostat and affect the environment? Or are you going to be a ther thermometer and be affected by the environment? Now, you know what? Some of you might be in here tonight and you say, you know what, preacher, I really don't care. And I'll be gone tonight or tomorrow morning. And it don't really matter. And, you know, you, you, you've, you've kind of hit some things, but I'm not really buying what you're selling. You know what? I, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I love you to death, but I can't make you serve Jesus Christ anyway. And you know what? I've, I've had a lot of people to say, you know what? Why do you jump around and act like a crazy man? Because I'm from America. No, I'm, I'm just playing. I jump around and act like a crazy man. You want to know why? It's because when I get to heaven, Pastor, Jesus ain't going to look at me and say, Brian, you know what? You messed that thing up the first time. You didn't do it the right way. I'm going to send you back. Try it again. Nope. Ain't going to happen. I got one chance. I got one chance to do this thing. And I'm going to have a good time. Now, you either going to be a thermostat or you going to be a thermometer. I just got back from the bull ring and we stayed over after we had gotten done singing. Me and my wife walked down to the canals and on our way there, we probably encountered four or five more groups, Pastor, that were Christian you know, that were Christian groups and they were out there witnessing, giving out tracts. But I'll tell you something that I saw that was alarming. Every group that I saw. Now, praise be to God, I didn't see our group do this. But every group I saw that we passed, there may have been a, a Sikh talking to them, or a Muslim, or a Hindu. And those guys that had their Bibles open were doing this. And I didn't know what they were saying, Frazier, but this is what they were doing. I said, you know what? Jesus wouldn't do that. Would, do you think Jesus would preach to people like that? Do you think when he did this, he went, blessed are the poor in spirit? You think he did that? I think his heart was broken. I think he went, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek. Have you ever thought about the way Jesus preached to people? Let me ask you something. That person at the university, your sister that's away from God, your parents that may be lost and going to split hell wide open if they took their last breath tonight, the only Jesus they may ever see is you. It's you. We've been saying chasing daylight. What do we mean by that? We mean redeeming the time. We don't, we don't want to waste the time God's given us. 
You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. I was preaching a youth camp in Georgia. I guess it was about three and a half, four years ago. And when we got done with the first session, the pastor that brought some other kids stood up and he made this statement. He said, I just want to let you know that uh, most of you in here remember, and he mentioned a young man's name. And everybody went, yeah, yeah, we remember him. What it was was there's a little kid that came with this youth group, Brother Frazier, and he, was, uh, he had Down syndrome. You know what Down syndrome is, right? And man, this kid was as cute as a button. And everybody loved this kid. And when they mentioned his name, when, when this pastor mentioned his name, you could tell there were, I was standing in the back, so by, it was an auditorium about this size, probably about 120 people in there, so it was filled to capacity. But when they said his name, I noticed there was this blonde-headed girl sitting about where these fine folk are right here, and, and she began to look at her friend and go, you remember him? And I saw her lips go, you remember him? And this is what the pastor said. He said, I don't know if you're in here, but there was a young lady in this room that last year when he came to camp, you took him, and you befriended him, and you influenced him, and you were a blessing to him and an encouragement to him. And I want to tell you, you made a difference in his life. Because when he got back, he would literally bring me every letter that you wrote to him and show it to me. And you could see that young girl's face. She went, he's talking about me. Pastor's talking about me. And he said, but i got to tell you this, there's a reason why he's not here this summer. And he said, just three weeks ago, he wanted a job to do in the church, so the pastor said, I'll let him take up the offering. And so every Wednesday night, he'd take up the offering. And I'm telling you, you may have had your offering taken by a lot of people, but you didn't have it taken more spiritual than he took it. He'd come down there, and he'd pass the plate, and he'd be singing the whole time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. He'd come up there, and he'd sing another one. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I mean, he'd just sing a song every time he passed the plate, a different hymn. He said three weeks ago on a Wednesday night, he said he didn't, he wasn't able to drive. He's 30 years old. Wasn't able to drive a car, but he rode a bicycle to church, Penos. And he said last Wednesday, three, three weeks ago, Wednesday night, he said he got on his bicycle, he left the church. And I was, he said, the pastor said, I was in the foyer of the church. I was shaking hands. He said, this young man looked at me and said, Pastor, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Got on his bike. He said, I'll see you, Alex. He said, no sooner had he said, see you. About 10, 15 seconds went by. He said he saw his bike go around the corner of the church. And he went to go talk to the person he was talking to. And <laughs> he ran outside. And he said, there sat a truck with the smoke still billowing out of the fender wells. Where he put on its brakes. And he said he saw that bicycle all crumpled up in one piece. And he said he could not even see where Alex was at. Found out. He ran down the road. About 50 to 60 feet down the road, he's in the ditch. That pastor ran over there. Got to him. And the last words of that young boy to his pastor were these. I love you. And he was gone. Gone. Into eternity. He told that story, Pastor Larry. That girl that was smiling and laughing, she wasn't laughing anymore. 
she had her head in her hands and she's weeping. And that pastor made this analogy. He said, you know what? God has given each and every one of you in here breath. A life to be used. And this is where I got this. He said, you have to choose whether you're going to be a thermostat or a thermometer. You know what James said, young people? He said, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a what? Little time. Do you know 80 years is nothing in light of eternity? It's nothing. What's your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Can I ask you tonight, are you going to make a conscious decision to be a thermostat or a thermometer? It's your choice. You can sit there and say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing okay and I really don't want to get involved in the lives of that many people. Do you know what, young people? If you want to leave a legacy, you'll be a thermostat and not a thermometer. I work so hard for Jesus, I often boast and say, I sacrificed a lot of things to walk the narrow way. I gave up fame and fortune, I'm worth a lot to thee. But then I heard him gently say to me, I left my throne in glory and counted it but loss. They nailed my hands in anger upon the cruel cross. So now we'll take this journey with your hand safe in mine. Just lift your cross and follow Close to Thee. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around tonight. The Father, I thank You so much for Your goodness. Lord, help us to be delineated by being a subject and not an adjective. Lord, help us not to put tags on things that wouldn't glorify You. Lord, help us, I pray, to be known as a thermostat, not a thermometer. Lord, there are people that we bumped into today that praise be to God, we influence them for good because of our smile and the joy of the Lord in our heart and our song that you put in our, 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 our heart that we could praise you. But Lord, it is our responsibility to just not befriend them, but win them to Christ and let them know who loves them. God, I pray that you'd help us to be thermostats and not thermometers. Lord, bless in this discussion time as we dismiss. And Lord, I'll thank you for what you do in our midst because I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.